What is going on? It is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to hang out with Matt and Eli of Two Friends over Zoom video. Eli was born and raised in Los Angeles. Matt was born in New York, moved around a bit, lived in Poland for a little while, then moved to LA in fifth grade. Eli and Matt met in middle school. They both attended the same middle school as Fred and Ben Savage, which I thought was cool. And Adam Levine of Maroon 5, another uh, notable alum of their middle school. Matt started his musical journey on guitar, uh, ended up singing in the high school choir as well, where Eli was always interested in production and remixes and mashups. When they started Two Friends, they were writing beats and production pieces and putting them out on SoundCloud and sending them out to different rappers, trying to get people to you know, do top lines over the songs and, and production that they had made, eventually making their way into more of the electronic music world. After high school, Matt moved to the Bay Area to go to college at Stanford, and Eli moved to Nashville to go to Vanderbilt. And they were sending songs kind of back and forth and still working on the Two Friends project all through college. And that's where they really built the foundation of Two Friends. Had a bunch of number ones on Hype Machine, had a bunch of streams on SoundCloud. They talk about graduating college and then really pursuing Two Friends as a full-time career. They tell us where they were when COVID hit, how that affected their music moving forward. All about their big booty mix. And how that has evolved now into a festival. They're doing their first one in Boston in October. And we also hear all about their new song with Mod Sun called Time Bomb. You can watch our interview with Eli and Matt on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It would be awesome if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it would be awesome if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five-star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with two friends. What's hey. going on? Hey, how are you? Good. How's it going? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you both so much for doing this. Stoked to be here. Thanks for having us. Of course. Uh, my name's Adam, and uh, this podcast is about both you, your journey in music, and uh, we'll talk about the, the the new record that's out now is the one with Modson, but you have another one coming out, right, as well with Hoodie, Alan? Uh, we don't know if that one's going to come out. Oh, okay. We'll see. A lot of, a lot of up in the air, but... Um, okay, but we'll yeah. just talk about Modson. Perfect. 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 Cool. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to check because I did... Uh, and the press release that I have didn't say anything about it. And then just in the notes that I had mentioned something yeah, about it, it in August. So a lot of dramatic release schedule stuff, but awesome. <laughs> Killer. Awesome. Well, again, thank you both so much for, for doing this. Of course. Thanks for having us. Yeah. So uh, first off, uh, we're, you both are from LA, but uh, Eli, you were born and raised in LA and yep. you were Matthew yep. or what? Born and raised. Matt came when he was what, like 10. Yeah. I moved here in fifth grade. And before that, I was a little bit all over the place, um, but pretty much at this point, L.A. All right. Well, so, okay. Well, then where were you born then, Eli? I'm just curious. I, I was, was born oh, I was born in L.A., yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, Sorry. Was, Matt was born elsewhere. I got confused. Oh, yeah, yeah. I <laughs> Sorry. Um, so I was on the East Coast. I actually lived in Poland for a couple of years when I was younger. Oh, wow. um, so kind of 
New York, New England, Poland, and then moved to, uh, to LA in fifth grade. How long are you in Poland? I'm curious. I was there for second and third grade. So two years. It was a cool experience. I honestly still have a couple friends from like around there. Um, really? It was an American school, but you know, most of the people were from all over the world. Um, and they live in random places now. Um, okay. It was cool. Honestly, I've stayed in touch with a couple and I'll see them at shows or some people will hit me up and stuff. Have you guys played Poland? Or in no, like, I actually, um, I literally have not been back since I moved away, which is why. Really? Oh, okay. Well, that'd yeah, be crazy. Yeah, we, I need to get back. Um, I think my mom went back a couple years ago, but I would be interested to see what I remember. <laughs> sure, sure. Okay, cool. So Eli, you're born and raised in, in LA then. Yes. Tell me, I'm from San Diego. So tell me about your experience in LA up until fifth grade. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I'll be honest. Don't, you know, don't remember too much. Uh, but I mean, we, we loved, we loved growing up in LA. So we met in seventh grade in middle school okay. um, and then went to middle school and high school together. Um, and then, you know, we split up for college, went, left LA for college, but came back. And it was, it's nice because, you know, a lot of music stuff is obviously happening in LA and a lot of music people end up moving to LA mm -hmm. for us. It was almost just automatic anyway, that we knew, you know, finishing up school, we want to move back home anyway. Um, mm -hmm. So it, we, we love being in LA where, you know, a lot of people come here, but we're still kind of, you know, have our friends and family and it's a little bit of the best of both worlds. And you ended up moving to Nashville, right? Yeah. I went to school and uh, I went to college in Nashville. Um, I was up in like Bay area, Northern California. Um, yeah. So you both went really, to really, really good schools from what I read uh, about you. We didn't use much of it for, yeah. for this stuff now. <laughs> yeah. But. Um, but yeah, that was, that, that was kind of the base, the, the foundation of, of two friends was, right at the end of high school. So then we split up uh, to go to college right after. So the first four years of two friends was basically long distance, you know, mm -hmm. uh, makeshift studio where we still, it's actually the same room we're still in right now. We're literally calling in from is, oh, the, basement, wow. is the basement of Matt's house. Um, and we were here. It, it didn't look like this back then. It was more of just like a fold up table and we'd come home from like Christmas break and summer breaks and, you know, any chance we could together, we'd be here working and then we'd go back to college and you know do fa uh, facetime and screen sharing and sending stuff back and forth so that stuff barely even existed we were yeah. doing like i was gonna say man you're yeah. like way ahead of the curve yeah. on the the like virtual learning yeah. and everything like that wow when did uh well so matt to, to talk real quick on you when did you get into music like do you come from a musical household at all um yeah i mean my dad like made me and my siblings start taking like guitar lessons when we were really young and I hated it at the time, but very glad he did. And then like somehow got roped into like the choir in high school, even though that was never a passion, but I think it was actually helpful. Did like music theory stuff. Um, so kind of was, came from that background and Eli was a little more of the DIY mashup world um, in high school when mashups were very like, just becoming a thing they're kind of mm -hmm. got actually hot for a moment there oh they were they're huge for a bit yeah um so Eli was super early on that train and then i guess we as we were graduating like we were like oh well maybe if we combine our skill sets and like whatever we can like do this and neither of us knew how to produce or really make music um but that was part of the journey we had the name two friends way before we started like learning how to do this stuff. And then during college, 
got super, super into it, mm-hmm. um, took it really seriously and then kind of kept going after. Interesting. Did you play in a band or anything? I mean, you said you played guitar and sang in choir. Or was in that... like little, like, like I did like music classes in middle school, high school. And like, there was some, like one of them was like kind of essentially a rock band class, whatever. So I did that kind of stuff, but never officially. Okay. And what about you, Eli? Any ever, ever play like that in a band? I, play, I played Absolutely. clarinet in the middle school, uh, in middle school band. Oh, there you go. I played clarinet in fifth grade yeah, one of our, and then gave there it you up. Go. There you go. <laughs> I haven't, haven't, haven't used it in a song or a show yet, but you know, okay. we're, we're still out. time. We're um, There's still time. Yeah, no, we were kind of, this was kind of the first group, I guess, that both of us did. Wow, that's cool. And you met in, in middle school, you said. I, I just based off your Wikipedia, which has burned me in the past, uh, Brentwood School. And then I went there to check out the, it, like, that's where Maroon 5 went and like Fred and Ben Savage. I thought that was so yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're definitely a little bit yeah. earlier than us, but sure, of course. Uh, but it's just yeah, Maroon like, is that like a, a, a buzz Adam, thing around yeah, the school? Yeah. Adam Levine, that, they're very proud of him. Definitely. Oh, we are. I was, <laughs> was going to say, uh, like, is that like, do they get, I, I interviewed somebody that went to the same high school that Marilyn Manson went to. And like, that was a thing. Like, they were like stoked on it's that. Fun, like, it's funny. Cool I mean, yeah, we definitely like, <laughs> I feel like everyone knew that like, oh yeah, okay. you're the alumni that went on to be famous Deep or whatever, stuff. but sure. I don't, you know, I think it's funny actually at the time, Matt and I were really, it was the very, very end of high school. So we really only were doing it for the last couple months of senior year of high school, but uh-huh. you know, we were the odd one out trying to do more of like the electronic music production as opposed to like garage band rock bands and like, then a few years later, Matt had some younger siblings that were still at the school and they were telling us it was the total opposite that like everyone wants to be a DJ now and you're the odd one out if you're still in a band, you know, playing guitar and drums or whatever. So, um, yeah, we were definitely early, but then it, you know, quickly changed. Yeah, it worked out. Yeah. Yeah. I remember seeing I have a younger kids too i remember seeing like that shift it was like marshmallow was like the thing like people were dressing up like him in, in like if for halloween there's like uh, elementary school kids I'm like yeah. oh yeah what, what the hell is going on here <laughs> but okay so like you guys started really working together towards the end of high school like what drew you together were you friends in middle school oh yeah, yeah. we were school? best okay. friends we were best friends since seventh grade okay so you okay so yes yeah, cool. so we were hanging out all the time anyway and that's kind of how it happened was we were just hanging out on a weekend or something and it was like hey you know we both like music we may have these different skills that could be cool to combine um i wish i could see footage of this because this would be the most epic thing to ever see and hear because i can't even imagine us talking about it without even the right vocab it's like do you want to be a dj like i don't even know yeah we had gone we had like gone to some music festivals at the end of high school and like okay. i really started to like even just see what djs were and what electronic music it was. wasn't even like we but, were like stuck on electronic music we were like more into production like it could have been beats for rappers it could have been whatever mm-hmm. and i think the uh waiting time and like not being in control of the hip-hop space you know like waiting for people to record and whatever kind of skewed us towards the more edm side um but I have no clue what made us decide. <laughs> I think it was like a combination of, you know, we were super obsessed with sports and stuff in high school. And we were going to school in a year and not doing sports and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're like, all right, need to find a new hobby. <laughs> sure. 
Where did it start off like making beats and doing production and uh, eventually, I know you guys do a bunch of remixes and you've done obviously a whole lot of other things, but was it in the beginning just trying to write beats and make production for other people to like top line over? I think it started that way, not necessarily because like we loved rap more than electronic. I actually Uh think probably not. I think it was, we can make more rudimentary beats that were up to a quality level quicker that mm-hmm. and they weren't great they were like still not super well produced but i think electronic music was a lot harder especially back then it was just like there was less tools less plugins that made it easier and stuff to like get quick learning curve so it was really difficult for us um mm-hmm. so i think that's actually what did it the, the uh the learning curve Okay. And then were you putting these up like on SoundCloud or something or uh, reaching out to people? Like, yeah, I mean, at the the very, very beginning was when we would make a beat. We usually, it would be like sample based. So we'd pick like a, a lot of them were like indie rock songs or whatever. Uh So like the very, very first one was uh, Daylight by Matt and Kim. That like that famous piano melody, we kind of just like, you know, resampled it, made our own thing and literally put it on an email, BCC. 500 different rappers and <laughs> like, and by like small rappers too. Not like, yeah. Oh no, we weren't yeah. sending it. To it like wasn't like Kanye. Kanye. <laughs> no, no. You know, it'd be like, I love college. How we both went to Kanye. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was back in like, you know, blogs were super popular back oh, then. Yeah. Hype machine, super popular. So it'd be like the college rappers or like kind of just, you know, very like low key guys who were getting some, some press on blogs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, I think that's honestly was part of it too, was like, then we, you know, we were so naive back then. We kind of, our mindset when we first started was like, oh, this is our song featuring you. But we kind of learned like mm. in rap, that's not really how it works. Like producers kind of like, you know, give someone a beat and then it's like their song produced mm-hmm. by you. We didn't uh, try. So, so I think that's, <laughs> we did, you know, we, we honestly feel like, yeah, we, we didn't, we, there were probably five to 10 songs that we did it like that, where we would give out a beat. It was like, you know, we didn't, we didn't make any money from it. It was all just like free on SoundCloud. We would mm-hmm. give it for free and we would have to, you know, like, I remember one time we even like wrote back paragraphs of notes to this guy, like, Hey, so yeah, I think, you know, the first verse, well, you should switch, blah, blah, blah. And he, and he actually, he was nice about it. He, he was like, Hey guys, like appreciate the you know the the, feedback yeah but, but like just a heads up because other people won't be as like you know well won't respond as well like like this is kind of my beat now like i'm doing my thing it's not really like your brand anymore oh, okay. uh and so that was kind of, and, but he said it super like nicely and we're like oh, sure. that's interesting. and then i think we were also you know at the time starting to listen to more and more electronic music and it still was definitely going to be harder and, you know, like different, you have to make a full song, every element, not just like the beat. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think around that time, I was like, all right, you know, I don't, we don't really see this going the direction we want if we only stick with making beats for rappers. So that's when we kind of started trying to do original full songs and remixes and yeah, all that. Okay. Yeah. So like, for example, the, the new one with Mod Sun that you just put out, that that's a song that you created with all the production, everything around. And he's obviously a name and and has his own huge career. Uh, you reach out to him and he's like, sure, I'll do something. And he, what writes the hook and the lyrics and stuff and or do you collaborate together? Yeah. Every process is different. There's co-writers, there's collaborators there, you know, whatever it might be. Um, but that one was, uh, that we worked with some awesome co-writers, 
um, and then got mod and like he was amazing. He came over to the studio um late late night but we crushed <laughs> it and then we kind of put it all together um and okay. it, you know we're super stoked how time bomb came out sure no that's he's i've interviewed him before he's such a cool like yeah. open book person his documentary i don't know if you've seen his documentary that he put out it's like it's, it's on my list oh it's so good and like how transparent he is is insane that he's just like here's my world and this is all my stuff that i've done like it's it's great. It's a great documentary, but uh, okay. Yeah. So it sounds like now you're at a level where you can ha approach people like him or whoever else. Yeah. To yeah work I mean, with. It, like Matt said, it really, there's so many different ways we'll go about it. Sometimes mm -hmm. like, you know, we'll invite people over to the studio and we'll start from scratch, write a brand new song mm -hmm. altogether. Other times it's just Matt and I will write something and kind of have a wish list of people we could reach out to that could record it. Cause you know, we don't really sing. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, Matt, Matt, Matt does in the choir. Travels, I was in choir. So a lot of times, you know, <laughs> If, if it is just us and we don't have another singer in the room, Matt will lay out the first demo and then, you know, we'll kind of see like, oh, okay, who, who, who would do this justice? I mean, eventually it might be Matt. Maybe. Um, Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. But, uh, <laughs> I was always yeah. wondering that because I've, I've interviewed people from all genres of music and I just don't, I'm not... I'm hip to the music of EDM, but I just don't know the, the process is much behind it. So I love hearing kind of how yeah. that, that, you know, the sausage is cooked, so to speak, because I don't, you know, you see these songs and you guys have huge names on songs and it's like, it's super rad, but I don't know how that all kind of ends up I unfolding. Think, yeah. every, every producer, every DJ, every session is different. Like, you know, some producers prefer just producing and like maybe having a top line or sending out instrumentals mm -hmm. we like to definitely write a lot so like whether we're writing alone or with other people or with the feature uh in the room um we find like that usually will give our sound a little bit more of a two friends flavor especially if mm -hmm. there's singers on most songs cool um when you end up you know leaving high school this was just kind of what a very like were you putting the songs up on soundcloud yet or reaching out to these yeah. rappers or did that first not come song, until we were probably reaching out during the summer um okay and the first song probably came out end of the summer before college 2011 yeah 2011 so um we're like oh this is cool like whatever and we kept doing it probably for maybe six seven months um and then by the new year we probably started focusing on electronic music a little more yeah so uh, back then it was all just SoundCloud was in the heyday. So you just, you know, you finish a song and you're thinking about, all right, next week, let's SoundCloud blogs, hype yeah. machine. Yeah. I was going to say with hype machine. I mean, from you had so many number ones on hype machine where at the time, if you had a number one on hype machine, I'm sure it was still the same time oh, period. Yeah. It was like life changing. I would say between 2011 and like 2000, I'm kind of guessing here, but 2016, 17, like a hype machine number one on SoundCloud would get you uh, in between like 30 and 100K plays a day. Yeah, it was like essentially getting playlisted on one of the bigger yeah, exactly. editorial Spotify playlists. Exactly. That's that's the new age version. Sure. And that's how people were getting managers and record labels were reaching out. Were you seeing that same? I mean, yeah. Know, that's the, yeah. I mean, well, it's funny to look back on because like it was one of those things where the hype felt like it was there. It was like, yeah, you know, we, all these hype machine SoundCloud plays are you know going up, social media stuff. But it's like, damn, like none of that is translating to money yet. You know, it's all kind of like the building blocks of like, uh -huh. like you're, we're not getting, you know, if you do an unofficial remix, you don't, you're not getting paid for it. 
Um, but it's like, but you know, you do enough of them, you get enough eyeballs, you get enough people interested in being part of the team, you get your management, you get your agent, you start doing shows. It's all kind of like building it up to make money, you know, a few years later. But yeah, mm -hmm. I think we were kind of lucky in that regard of like, while we were in school, we weren't necessarily focused on what do we need to do to make money right like now? Survive, about, right? Yeah, right. Eat. <laughs> like more about like what are we gonna do to to just sort of set it all up and then just grow this. Hopefully, thing. by the time we graduate college, then it could be more of like a full time pay paying. Yeah, job. like a business, and, like your right. your own then, job. Even by the even when we graduated, the first year or two, we're definitely still not really like you know we were living at home, like mm -hmm. not uh not really like kicking in yet but then we're like you know we're sticking with it we we put in so much work here and then i think you know it's all baby steps that eventually it's like all right now mm -hmm. it feels like there's no was, going back was there a point like in college when or like i guess before i ask that question when was like the turning point for you like when did you get your first like number one on hype machine like was there like yeah. the first moment of like whoa like this is really working we always say there's like little victories so like you you know you tiny little steps so like you look back in like a year two years five years and you're like whoa what was the one thing and usually there isn't one thing i think which mm -hmm. is a good thing because sure. it builds a really solid foundation there's definitely like a couple moments in college especially where we're like oh okay this is motivating whatever um i would say we had uh we did this one remix that this guy who we're still friendly with for, at Sirius XM like asked us to do. And we're just like, okay, sure. Mm -hmm. um, he was like a fan or whatever, which is cool. And we did it as this Lana Del Rey remix. And he just like mm -hmm. put it on rotation for like six months after that, that gained a lot of um, traction at, at dance radio and stuff. So that started, people started hitting us up, managers, uh, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, the hype machine stuff definitely helped. I would say by, yeah, college was a couple moments. And then the year we graduated college, we were like doing very consistent releases, had more time doing a lot of remixes. Big Booty Mixes started to mm -hmm. pick up, which was like our mix series. Um, and mm -hmm. there was kind of like just a momentum thing of like, okay, wow, people are really starting to listen. Um, this is going in the right direction. But it felt like it was going in the right direction in college too. You know, okay. just the little, little victories. But yeah, I would say that remix helped a lot people starting to listen to originals, people just, not that they would happen, but colleges and places like hitting us up to book us was definitely, you know, showing there's at least some demand. Sure. I mean, that's a huge uh, industry in itself, right? I mean, playing different frat parties in different colleges across totally. the country, Absolutely. especially in the EDM world from definitely. what I've learned. Uh, I was going to, uh, my question was if like, cause I wanted to know where that moment was, was there a moment then in college when you're like, do we really need to finish, you know, going to school here? Like, should we just dump it and, you know, try to focus on this full time? I think that, I think that happened, but late enough into college where it was almost like we're close. Let's just finish because <laughs> okay. why not? And there was uh, sure. enough going where it was like, right. it would have been, it would have felt a little risky forced and like rushed. So it was kind of like, you know, around sophomore, junior, year maybe let's call it like beginning of junior year was really when some of those things that matt was just mentioning started happening and it was like okay we maybe we could drop out and give this 100 percent, but it was like but like 
why are we rushing that we so hard? It wasn't yeah. like there was such a huge opportunity for us right then. So it would have been a mistake for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah so it sounds we were, like- you know, we were, ha- we had friends, we were having fun in college. Our parents and we, you would know, have been very pissed. Yeah. And we were, you know, it's like some <laughs> sure. of the stuff, some of the stuff I think indirect, like, you know, we took business classes, Matt took some like engineering classes and like, obviously it's not necessarily directly related to what we do, but I think it was good that we like, had those oh, experiences. Yeah, and, it's definitely knowledge you I'm sure you use day to day in the in that having I mean having your duo is your own business entity and you have to run it like a business or you're not gonna make it. Totally. Right. Um what was my question gonna be? I can't remember now. Um we were talking about uh oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I just totally spaced. Um <laughs> anyway uh, okay so you you know you're in college you finish you then decide let's you know get you know we're gonna do this full time we're gonna you know really take a stab at it okay i just remember what i was gonna say if there was like a big moment like you know now people are you know popping off on tiktok or something if it was like there's 10 million people that have our eyes on me right now do you feel like that would have been a different decision or was it still like I- we're, we're far enough along, like, let's just see. What yeah. Happens. And it's hard because those also, you know, at the end of the day, those are kind of just like numbers on a screen mm-hmm. and like TikTok, for example, it takes a certain type of person to really translate 10 million views into like a business or people are buying tickets to see you at right. a show in person. So that was kind of, we sort of mentioned this earlier where it's like, you know, hype machine and SoundCloud stuff is great, but then it's like, if no one really cares and no one wants to see you at shows, no one's buying merch, no one's streaming your original music on Spotify where you can't get, it's like, how do you convert that into like, Dollars. you know, an actual career and, and a yeah. fan base and an engaged fan base. So I think, I think that we also had, you know, we had a relatively solid grasp on the fact that like, okay, yes, like the momentum feels good and it's in the right direction, but let's be real. Like they're, they're not lining up to you know they're, they're not handing us a bag of cash and making us leave our school I think you know? th- things happened at the right time yeah yeah it sounds like uh, you definitely worked it the right correct way obviously you're doing it still but like to have that foundation and to build and then eventually be like okay now we have this we can we can really set it up to to succeed because i'll see a lot of people you know have that tiktok hit and then it's like all right i'm gonna sign this major deal and then they have 10 million streams on one song and 5,000 on the next and no one's showing up to the shows. And then oh. what you're just like, yeah. okay, I just gave up everything for one viral moment. Yeah. It's tough. Um, yeah. So, okay. So bam, so you get back, you, you work together. What was the moment like that you were able to just go like, wow. Um, you know, we, we finished college. We're here. We're doing this as a business and this is like a business generating money. And we're able to really, you know, sustain. That also is kind of this building block thing, you know, obviously, it's funny. Like I remember being so excited, like obviously sad to graduate and all my friends, whatever, but we like got home to the studio, which we were spending summers in anyway, but this is the first Mm -hmm. summer. It's like the fall is open too, you know? And it's like, wow, we have so much time. We can like make a lot more music. And it felt very, uh, liberating and like exciting because I know how stressed we were in college trying to balance social life, school and music almost Mm -hmm. impossible. Um, But again, I think it was like a very, it's not like your feed jumps times 20 randomly night. It's like literally 
year by year you play the city oh they add 10 percent. you know and then mm -hmm. you look back and you're like damn all right nice um so i think it's definitely been a gradual process in i guess the theme of the whole conversation we haven't had like that one viral moment it's all been like this building process mm -hmm. which has been good we haven't had a made like rash decisions right. or like anything like right because kind of what you were saying you know there are the we know plenty of them where it's like yeah you have that viral hit that has half a billion streams on spotify and then then you, you know no one's really buying tickets to your show for us it was almost the opposite of like you know we had to we had to put in the time and the energy over the past 11 years to really mm -hmm. think about everything and build it up slowly but i think that in you know that's led to like we you know we could Ha we could plan out things more deliberately we could you know ha you know really build up this fan yeah. base um well now you have a career that's you know you've you've continually put out a product that people right. are responding to and it's not just like we had one thing that happened and it's like okay now we got to chase that or are we going to be able to do that again right. or we're not going it's to or probably the scariest thing in an artist's career like if your hit comes and you're not ready for it like I mean, even if you're putting out good music, like you don't want to live and die by hits. Like sometimes you just can't control it. So it's, I think it's much more beneficial if you just kind of get that core fan base and you can grow from there. Mm -hmm. Once you guys graduated high school, or not high school, when you graduated college and re kind of convened and, and did this full time, were you touring a lot more at that point? Like, was that a big honestly, priority? Honestly, not it was I, a priority, but yeah. it's just the demand again, it wasn't quite enough where it was consistent. Okay. It's funny because we know a lot of people that go through similar experience where it's like, we, we really were like, we almost told our, we had management before an agent. And we mm -hmm. told our management, we're like, all right, we're ready. Like we want an agent. We are ready for shows. And it's like, it doesn't like, you can't just magically create demand. And, you know, we were getting like some colleges and various places would, would hit us up, but like the definitely at the beginning. And by the way, we've been with our same agent for eight years now, same guy the whole time. And we love him. So like he okay. knows this, but in the very beginning, we were definitely a little, not like, not like angry, but we were like impatient. We're like, mm -hmm. Look, you know, we have the hype machine. We have SoundCloud. Go, like, why are we not playing nightclubs and festivals every week? And again, it's like a slow grind where it's like, okay, you know, you do it a couple shows, you, you know, you got to put an effort to like promote them, make sure they go well, play a good set, you know, and then kind of just like slowly and slowly start building it up where now you have a history in a lot of these cities, you go back and can do it a little bigger. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's definitely a, a grind. Could I do it again? No, probably not. <laughs> It'd be like, the, we would we wouldn't say yes to everything, but we would say yes to 90% of, of more. 95% yeah. of offers, as long as we weren't going to lose. And sometimes we would lose. Sometimes the flights and hotels and all that is mm -hmm. more than what they were paying us. But sure. it was like, you know, we just wanted to to get out there and just like get almost, almost as if it's like the circuit and you need to like get in the circuit and never leave. Um, right. Right. And, and yeah, cut your teeth and then get your, yeah. I mean, not you may be losing, you may be losing some money, but you're also getting yourself in front of X amount of people. Exactly, totally. getting in with certain promoters. You know, yeah, cities. you know what? If, yeah. if, if you if you lose a little money, but they're gonna double your fee because it went so well, then the next time you make up for that, and then they double it again. Like you know, you play yeah. it many times. It's like, oh shit. Now nice. you look back and like, yeah, who cares? You know, we lost hundred bucks that first time, but yeah, it made itself up. Sure, um, sure. Well, that route back then it was like so. This was like right after the first like two or three years after we graduated college. Yeah, not 
three years. Two years. Let's we say. were playing a lot of shows by like the third year. Yeah. Okay. Oh, the first, oh, I was just gonna say even that third year though, the routing would be like because we were saying yes, it, it was like our agent would just be like, You sure? Okay, cool. Like lock it in. So we're going from like, you know, Alabama on well, a Thursday. LA to like East Al- Coast. Yeah, then so let's just say we'll go Al- LA to Alabama for a Thursday night show, then go to Arizona for a Friday show, then New York for a Saturday show, <laughs> then back to LA for Sunday morning. It would be like but yeah, at the time it was like so exciting. It was like, oh, sure. know, brutal. It was definitely brutal. But like at the same time, it was like, oh, we're doing, you know, doing shows. Like how awesome. Like we're on a plane, like every, you know, every day playing shows yeah. across the whole country. Like I'm sure that had to be so, so, definitely. you know, amazing. Um, well, coming up to like when COVID and all that happened, were you on a tour or planning a tour or were you just in so this had, middle of music? We got pretty lucky. I mean, of course we had, 50 plus shows canceled during COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we had our first bus tour um, starting January like 14th, ending 2020. Yeah, 2020, January okay. 14, 2020, ending on March 6th or 7th, 2020. And then wow. we had two more shows. And then we got back to LA from Cabo, or it was the last show, uh-huh. and everything shut down. So we got our whole bus tour in. Wow. Which is amazing because a lot of people got cut short or barely started. Um, so we that was our big step for us. It was kind of a hard step because financially, these bus tours for DJs are not the best thing, but they show the promoters in the market like, oh, look, we can do these hard tickets. Mm-hmm. And then you you can get all these festival offers, all this other stuff. Obviously, none of that happened, but sure. that in the end. Um, but yeah, that was definitely, I guess, lucky given the circumstances. Mm-hmm. Were you in Cabo or did you do that festival and you were able to make it back before? Yes. Yeah, we were like a big, big it, thing. It was like the perfect couple. It was like we got back. It was, it was you know, was everyone a, knew something was coming. It would it was be a like, Monday okay. Show. Yeah. And, spring break. And people were even joking. It was like everyone's in the pool and we're like, oh, that's the COVID pool. Like no one, no one thought it was that serious. Right. Right. And then we get back. Everything's fine. Everyone's healthy. And, we actually, that was like, we hadn't been home in two months. So we get home and we're like, we had carved out a couple, like not even that long. But like That was a Monday. I, our next show was like on a Wednesday. The next Wednesday. In so, Mexico. So we knew we had like nine days anyway of just like, all right, we're, we finished the tour. We're home. And yeah, then we never, and we were like, we never left. We never, we never, never left. left. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. And, and it was like, you know, I feel like it's okay to talk about this now kind of in hindsight, we're like, in the when the first when everyone thought COVID was just gonna be a few weeks that was definitely a thing you know no one knew oh, yeah, flatten the curve dude so like when they canceled the <laughs> first couple shows in March we were almost okay with it we're like we just did fifty shows in two months you know we were on a bus for eight or nine weeks like okay they have to cancel one show not the worst we can relax a little like kind mm-hmm. of decompress and then we're like okay like what's Let's go. Like, when are we getting back here? Yeah. And, and still no one really, they're like, oh, another week, give it time, another week, another month. And it was like, then we started doing a couple of those where we got rescheduled virtually. And we're like, okay, this is kind of yeah. interesting. There's a lot of shows just from the, back, the backyard here at our studio. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. I, that, that but, was an interesting time. Like the live streams, I'm sure, especially yeah. for people in electronic yeah. music, I mean, it's it like of, you vibe off people. Yeah. energy. It kind of did a lot like, for us. Cause we, <laughs> We basically started our big booty mixes, which have been a big thing for us. Oh, that's those, so those started during COVID. I didn't realize no, that. No, no, the mixes oh. start, but we started oh, okay. hearing them through ticketed live streams. Oh, okay. So the first one was the first ticketed live stream was for Big Booty Mix 18, which was in the fall of 2020. Uh-huh. And 
kind of grew it from there and we did it twice a year. And now in October, we're doing the first in-person premiere. So kind of actually COVID catalyzed like something that probably wouldn't have happened. And now it's like one of our biggest. Yeah. Cause the whole thing was we, you know, we obviously couldn't do any shows. Mm -hmm. So the big booty mix normally we would kind of pr- we would premiere it but all that meant it's was just like a stream online yeah we just stream put it on it yeah i've like, seen it like on soundcloud and stuff yeah you yeah. just put one up a couple months ago yeah so like we, we still put them up on soundcloud but for covid what we decided to do was since we can't do real shows we can still film our own show so we would go to warehouses or one we did in the middle of the night in the desert oh and cool literally you know we had crew with us to build the stage um, we had, you know, visuals playing in the background and basically the, the audience was zero people, but we acted like we're on stage yeah. performing it and we filmed That's it and, um, sick production, do the mm-hmm. whole thing, uh, huge camera crew, everything, and kind of make a concert for people who can go to a concert. Yeah. Sure. That's cool. Aside from that, where you, you've released a handful of songs through 2020, 2021, and obviously up to now. Uh, was, were you just grinding throughout that as well? Like, writing we a ton? So exhausted before, honestly, in the beginning of COVID, we were like, as Eli said, relieved. Um, cause we were doing so many shows constantly traveling all three years prior. Uh-huh. So we were just making so much music. It was like the best time for music. Yeah. Honestly, a lot of the music we were still releasing, we started during yeah. COVID. Cause it was one of those things too, before COVID, it was just, everything was so, you know, not, not in the worst way, but it was just hectic and constantly moving. So it was very hard for us to kind of like plan more than one or two songs. Like we, we probably knew what song was coming next, but then the song after that definitely wasn't even finished and didn't even know which one it was going to be. So it was felt a little like almost like you have to go one song at a time, which wasn't very, I mean, yeah, it was stressful. And so during COVID, obviously, you know, we have way less of a hectic schedule where we have the whole week in the studio instead of having to get interrupted to travel. Um, and so we got ahead it, for, for probably the first time ever. It felt like, okay, we could be working on multiple songs, have multiple in the bank, ready to go mm-hmm. when we, you know, when, when they're, when we need releases and like kind of just feel a little less like the rat race. Right. You almost got a, you had a chance to kind of catch up and then regroup. Now it's like, now we have not, you know, we have some songs that yeah. are, you know, in, and try, the, even, even you know, creatively, like and- trying creatively being able to, try new things or work with new people. Whereas before it may have felt like if we don't feel 95% confident that this is going to be something released soon, then like we can't waste our time even trying it. That's kind of an uh, exaggeration, but Mm -hmm. a little bit of that. You can can experiment. Right. And then so COVID it's like, you know what, let's try the session. Oh, we didn't, you know, we tried something. It didn't quite work. It's okay. We have a million more days before we're back on the road. So (laughs) sure. Well, I, again, I love the song with Modson that you have that just recently came out. Um, and you have the, your shows sold out, right? The, the, the big booty land, the, the, yeah. pr- the thing in October, the, the both premiere. two days sold out. Exactly. We're doing basically a live premiere and we're going to choose a new city every six months for the premiere of the big booty mix. So this will be volume 22 and we're doing two huge days in Boston and uh-huh. sold out in like the first 24 hours for honestly surprised but excited yeah. um, that's so huge sick. so the, and then we're still you know we're still on the road all summer and fall regardless too so we got you know some fun festivals and stuff coming up um but then you know those we're trying to do for every new big booty mix try to make that kind of like a yeah. special develop it into a, a, a festival yeah. which is called yeah big- 
That's cool. And are you, do you have, I mean, obviously six months from October is going to be the theoretically the next one. And do you have cities in mind that you're like, okay, we're going to definitely yeah. go there next. And then working on it, we're working on, we have ideas where we're talking to people, our agents, obviously talking to people. Sure. Um, yeah. Got some fun stuff or obviously want to, you know, keep it a surprise, but we'll probably try to leave some breadcrumbs oh, here yeah. and there to like, you know, our, the, our goal almost is to make it like a, you know, a exciting thing where the announcement of each new city like almost feels like the Olympics yeah. choosing a new, yeah. you know, like drum roll. Right. Boom. All right. Two Booty friends are coming to, and then like right. an envelope or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's a great promo yeah. idea. You should do that. Yeah. And then just make sure it says Nashville. Cause that's where I moved to. <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Cause eventually throw you know, it at like, Vanderbilt, you know, you we'll just get it tied all together. <laughs> I love it, man. Well, thank you both so much for, for taking time to, to hang out. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. It was great chatting. Yeah. I do have one more question for the both of you. I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. I would say every year it gets more saturated and it's difficult. So, so give up, (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, so don't get discouraged. I think you got to move with the trends in the sense of social media, but try to keep your own lane um, figure, figure out your lane and then stick with it in terms of the actual music. So obviously, you know, TikTok's a great way if you're singer songwriter vibe or anything like that on the DJ world, it's, it's really difficult because it's a little harder to pop, I think on TikTok, but, you know, find your sound, lean into your personality, invest time in the music, but also in the branding and social side of it. Try to be someone that people would want to buy tickets to. Yeah. And then I think, you know, we also, I think it is important to like, you know, have fun and and make it enjoyable if you're going to devote your time, your full effort and time to it, you know, you got to keep it fun. So for us, I think, especially early on, like some of the non-music stuff was actually still fun. Like, you know, building the brand on social media, coming up with merch ideas, helping out, you know, in the early days we were basically co-producing and co-writing our music videos, like, that stuff was fun, but it does, it's not necessarily fun for everyone. So if it's not, you know, that's where a team comes in place and like kind of offloading some of that stuff to other people who you trust and were part of the vision. Um, and then being able to focus on the things that do, you know, keep you excited every single day, even when it might not be lucrative. At the start. <laughs>